0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your co host, Joe Liu, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lydia, who is the co founder here at 180 Church, pastor of transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. In this week's sermon, we were talking about the difference and distinguishing between uh, a church that is vibrant and flourishing and a church that is stale and dying. And the reason why we are discussing this is because, you know, in our lives, God is always working through us and around us. And oftentimes in our faith, we could feel that there is a stagnancy or a staleness with um, how we operate in our faith. And so why is it important for us to check and to probe to see why our faith might be stale so that we can return back to a place where we can anticipate and believe in the things that God is doing with expectation of uh, the powerful works that he's uh, undergoing. So um, I found this message really encouraging. And, you know, I hope the same for all of our listeners. So without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy.
0: Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com.
2: So, as we've been exploring, excavating, and studying the Book of Acts together, it's been an incredible time, hasn't it? So many people. I've sent encouraging messages. Uh, They they said that it's been really changing them. And that's what happens when we read the Word of God together comprehensively without skimming it. It really addresses some tough topics sometimes. But it's been really incredibly powerful. Today, as we move back to Acts 5, there's a lot, it's pregnant with so many different motifs uh, and different layers that Luke writes about. Today, uh, I want to focus on the theme of a church that's flourishing versus a church that's waning or dying. That's right. When you look at Acts 5, verse 12 to 21, you begin to see that there's powerful momentum happening and taking place. God is doing amazing things. There are miracles, signs. There's even an angel that that visits. It's pretty incredible things that we never really hear about today, that was happening then. Sometimes our faith grows old, stale, and cold. When we subtly end up replacing the presence of the living God for massive spiritual activities. And we don't mean that to happen, but a life-giving spirituality focuses on what God is doing in me and around me and we joyfully join in. The truth is, stale Christianity its just practical agnosticism in disguise. You see, in many ways, that is the ubiquitous benchmark of a dying church. Everything begins to feel burdensome. And everything feels, all the things that you're doing, is tiresome. And... People speak of just not wanting to do it anymore. It feels like obligation and just ritual and dogma. But the former, when there is a vibrant spirituality, a life-giving spirituality, things feel new and the presence of God fills you and empowers you. You feel vibrant and you expect great things to take place in the midst of the community. And that's exactly what is happening in Acts chapter 5. God is moving in power. There is momentum. And that's something that you cannot conjure up. With smoke machines or technology, it's the wind of the Spirit of God that begins to flow. It's like the crashing waves, the waves of God coming. When there is a vibrant spirituality aligned to the move of God, which we see in Acts 5, we see signs We see healings, we see deliverances, and we even see angels visiting, angelic visitations. And that's pretty amazing. And we begin to see the ubiquitous benchmark between dying and flourishing, between stale and life-giving, and fresh faith, fresh fire. And so today, that's what we want to explore, the contrast between a dying church in a flourishing way so let's look to the scriptures and come back and learn those lessons praise god pray for me that i don't get hit by lightning (laughs) thanks see
1: you soon bye
3: the scripture today is from acts chapter 5 verse 12 to 21. the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in solomon's colonnade No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. That is the word of the Lord.
2: In the beginning, we asked a question, what is the difference between a flourishing church and a dying church? The first lesson we learned, rooted and excavated in this passage from verse 15 to 21 is that In a flourishing church, there are super cool signs versus super annoying sighs. (laughs) Let me say that again. In a flourishing church, you see super cool signs. And in a dying church, you see super annoying sighs. You hear it all the time. I remember going to church when I was a kid and signs, not signs, we would hear sighs all over the service. At retreats, particularly when we woke up in the morning, all the kids, I myself, were just sighing at the point. Why are we waking up? Everybody's falling asleep. Why are we even here this early? Who prays at 5 a.m. in the morning, 5.30? When we had to remember scripture verses, Jesus, we didn't cry out to the Lord for in any good way, but... We, we sighed. I remember in, in when I was just in junior high and the pastor used to preach about the sermon. I would sigh when the service would be over. I wanted to play basketball at the gym with all my friends. You see, spiritual activity replaced subtly the presence of the living God. As Christianity wanes today, We could feel scale Christianity in our own lives. But when we look in the book of Acts, instead of super annoying sighs and pettiness, we see super cool signs. Signs of power, signs of miracles. In John 1, actually John 2, Jesus says that the signs are signposts to something greater, Right? That God is present, that God is available, that God is moving. When God is moving, all pettiness dissipates, and the people of God joins in. Look at this, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed in 18 and 19 you see that they were arrested the apostles and put them in public jail the sadducees but during the night an angel of the lord that's like resurrection stuff opened the door of the jail and brought them out an angel of the lord in verse 20, go stand in the temple courts, go to a public place, the angels say, and tell the people all about this new life. When there's momentum, when there's a vibrant spirituality, a life giving spirituality, a spirituality led by the Spirit of God in a flourishing church, the benchmark, the ubiquitous benchmark, there are signs, not size. We said last week, Peter Singer's quote from MIT, right? In the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. In a thriving, flourishing church, you see the power of God manifest. I remember when we first started 180, such powerful things, even just small gestures of God speaking to people during messages. Prophetic things, things that they were thinking about. People, just small gestures, feeling chills down their spine. And them knowing that it was the presence of God. People coming and knowing and meeting Jesus. And we just knew and felt the momentum. And we feel that today. But during the pandemic, things have slowed down. I I don't want you to fall into a stale spirituality, a stale Christianity, and forget that we're not doing these activities because Christianity is about a list list of things to do, but it's about a person. It's about a person inviting us to move with him. And so in a flourishing church, we see super cool signs, healings. And, And that was in that context how the kingdom of God showed up. And I want to challenge you today as you watch this. What can God do in our midst? As we come back to the reality of God, that he's available, accessible, and his living presence with us, moving, still, saving the world, one person at a time, how can we join him today? How can you? Do you feel your spirituality, your faith, Feeling stale and cold? If if so, time to look up and say, Lord, fill me again. Ephesians 5.18 talks about the filling of the Spirit as a perpetual thing that we need. We're finite beings that run out of supply. So if you feel stale today, will you pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me rejoin and see what you're doing in me and around me. If you feel burdensome and burnt out, that's perhaps why you need to hear this today. You need a refilling of the Spirit in your life. And that's okay. Have the small group pray for you and ask for the filling of the Spirit to come. Pray right now for the filling of the Spirit. Because when we are aligned to the Spirit of God, we'll begin to see just fun things and powerful things Evidence and gestures, serendipitous things, kairos moments that just shows us the kisses of God, which are powerful. Amen? Amen. So in the beginning, we asked the question, what is the difference between a, a flourishing church and a dying church? Well, secondly, based on the text, what we see is, is super duper optimism versus party poopers. <laughs> that's right. In a dying church, one of the things you'll notice right away are the people that are indifferent to everything that's happening around them. In a flourishing church, there is so much anticipation and expectation because there's momentum, there's movement in what God is doing. In difficult times, a lot of times we fall into being party groupers. But when you read this passage, the early church in the beginning, they, they, they felt so much faith. Look at verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Two things you see in a flourishing church. You see... That like people had so much faith, they even believed that their leader's anointing shadow would heal the sick. That's super-duper optimism. When you see the living presence of God and encounter and you're continually filled with the Spirit of God, you start praying with your eyes open. A lot of times in a dying church, people pray with their eyes closed. If they pray at all. They don't believe anything's going to happen. They believe everything is in futility. Nothing is going to happen. In a flourishing church, powerful things. You expect it. And that's why you invite your friends and family. That's why you pray with your eyes open. Because you're just waiting to see God do something incredible. I pray that we become a flourishing church people who pray with their eyes open I remember during one Easter uh, we had a suggestion to do an art show and some people heard of the idea typical New York snobs art students and all that not that they, they said it I don't remember exactly but people were like who's gonna come to that?" and I thought that, that the members of our community just showing how Christ has changed their life. The theme was death to life. And I remember that's that Easter, many people came to Christ that from that outreach event, from that art show. Our our resident fellow at, at Stanford and pediatrician, I think all the moms are texting him every day. Sorry, X, we love you. That's where he was impacted and came to Christ a few months later. Andrew Lee showed a bathtub where darkness was just hovering over it and death. And how the contrast of what his life felt like apart from Christ and before Christ. And X said that at that art show, it just hit him like a ton of bricks. That there's hope. New life. The angel said, go proclaim this new life. You see, there are people that believe in the show and people who didn't. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. The confluence of darkness and light. That's always waging in our souls. Sometimes when there are just people that are party poopers, that say nothing will happen always, that even one negative voice... Will kill faith. Don't be that person to your family, your friends, and in this community. If you feel cynical, then let God begin to work in your heart. Because the power of God came at that altar with so many people experiencing that new life. And so many of our friends need that new life. So today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you, like this thunder is convicting me. That we would become people of anticipation. We would expect the power of God. You know, when, when the, there's a momentum and the wave of the Spirit is moving and we pray, you don't, you don't even have to have that much faith for things to happen. I remember when Sarah Bennett's mom started attending our church, she was. You know, she attended teachers' college at Columbia and NYU. I think taught there for a bit. And you know how she's a Jewish mom. And after Sarah experienced a radical 180, she started coming to services. And Sarah is so skeptical. She's like, she's like, Doc. Well, I wasn't a doc then, but <laughs> he's like, be saying, don't, don't think she's coming to investigating faith. She's just coming to check out that you know, keeping her eye on me. Little did she know that God was working in Mimi. And she had a powerful encounter with God. So today, folks, as we close, and I need to get out of here before the sun goes out and I get hit by lightning. <laughs> but will you examine your heart today? you your faith and your Christianity and your faith is stale, old, you need a refilling because Christianity is not a list of things to do. It is a love affair with a person. And Jesus himself said that his burden is easy in life. Whatever we do for God can never replace our need for God himself. So today, will you be filled, restored in Jesus' name? And for those of you who are feeling excitement and anticipation, keep going. Keep praying. Let the super dope signs show up in your life. See the power of God move so that 180 can experience powerful gospel movements. So many people coming to Christ. I pray that even through the pandemic, the pandemic has stopped our meanings, but it has not stopped the Holy Spirit. It's not stopped our love. It cannot stop us. We won't stop. Because we will proclaim the kerygma. Because the event that took place 2,000 two years ago changed everything. So will you pray today with me? Spirit, fill me. Renew me. Restore me. Help me see. Help me pay attention to what you're doing inside of me and around me, and help me, God, no longer to be isolated or distracted, but help me join in with you. So let's pray right now and sing this song together, with the Spirit watching us. Bye now.
1: Well, welcome, Pastor Lydia. Thanks for joining us again this week for our podcast.
3: Yes, yeah, so happy to be here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to thank you for joining me again this week. Um, you know, I've been very excited with the series that we've been on because of how much I think I'm seeing, like how God is sort of interweaving a lot of things in my life at this time. Mm. Um, and you know, I think it's it's real. It's of still utmost importance that I think Dr. Sammy brought up this uh, sermon this week about. Um, how to make the distinction between a flourishing church and a dying church, right? Mm-hmm. As, you know, for me, I think what I got from the sermon, what a reminder for me was, or what the reminder for me was, was to take a temperature check of our faith, you know? And I think that is a very important reminder at this time, given the fact that like, maybe life as we know it right now is probably radically different than we might've imagined it. Um and I think taking a quick check on how our faith is at this moment, and if we are anticipatory and excited about the things God is doing despite our circumstances, is present in our lives and in our church at this time. Um, and so, I guess I just wanted to start off the conversation um, regarding about uh, well, regarding mostly how you know how we can. As a church and as I guess as a collective of individuals to, you know, check in with our faith and to see if, you know, our church is still vibrant and thriving, even despite the pandemic and the circumstances around us.
4: Right.
3: And your question was,
4: you wanted to check in about that? Yeah. My question. (laughs) Yeah.
3: um, You know, I know this is not the most popular thing to say, but I don't really think it's the pandemic per se mm. that um, changes the way we are inside. I mean, in many ways, yes, but I feel like the temperature check is of our faces is not necessarily driven by our environment and the changes in the environment, although I think it could affect it. I think um, hearing the message, I guess the perspective that I um, I guess I'm speaking of is that it's not so much that the environment and the pandemic is shaping our um, spiritual vibrancy or the lack of it,
4: mm-hmm. but
3: it is actually revealing it. You know, yeah. um, so it's because, you know, it's not like it's not so much that, you know, these things are happening or not happening. And the world is so different now that I am struggling with certain things or certain cynicism. If I really were to be honest, certain things that I've been struggling with, they've been there despite the fact that the pandemic has happened or not. If anything, I think we're kind of um, brought to the forefront of it to actually realize that this is something that needs to be worked on, you know?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think you raise a really good point about that because I think a lot of the times we might interpret how we are doing, I guess, quote unquote, Based Mm -hmm. on our circumstances, but um, in this case, or like for the most part regarding our faith, it's, I guess you can say that our attitudes and I guess the temperature of our faith, regardless of the circumstances, is is evidence um, wherever we might be with it, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there is definitely um, a a huge part, but I think that it's not just circumstance, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, for example, there are a lot of things that the pandemic has triggered and kind of brought life to a different, I mean, like a whole different lifestyle that people did not expect. And those things definitely affect us. There are physical changes and, you know, um, it's, it's very impactful. Um, but I think you would be missing a part of the conversation that's really crucial if we were to focus just on the fact that it's an exterior thing affecting our vibrancy or lack of it.
4: Right.
3: Is, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I think to your point, that makes a lot of sense because I think um, before the pandemic um, and not to be so fixated on it, but I think one of the things that it has offered me in terms of being able to see in a different light was, really was really this temperature check of like seeing the state of how I was doing or like how my soul was or how my spirit was. Um, and how I guess like the state of my faith, you know, cause I think a lot of the times, you know, I identified a lot with what Dr. Sammy was saying about how, you know, a, a stale or like a dying faith or church kind of looks like people sighing all the time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of feeling burdened and, you know, like, feeling like faith is laborious to some extent. Uh, mm-hmm. And I might not have noticed that unless I've, I, all the things that I've done or mm-hmm. I was doing came to a screeching halt for me to feel like that, that like, you know, I guess the, the burden of my soul or like the, the, um, the state of, I guess, spiritual angst that I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regarding my faith, but it, it was sort of through that contrast and through that lens that I think I was able to catch at least that, you know, oh, maybe my faith is not doing so hot right now. Or like, maybe I've been going on a long stretch of time without really having refilled my soul to some degree.
3: Mm. Yeah. So having said all of this, right? I will say that, um, pandemic definitely affects everything in that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Try not to like go back and forth in the circle. Uh But because I think, you know, I love what Sam said in um, several messages back and over and over again. Like, I think it's so true when he says that scarcity brings clarity, right? Yeah. And I think really what the pandemic has really brought about is scarcity in many, many different um, places of our lives where we felt at one point we had mobility. And all this freedom and control. And that was literally taken from us, right? When mm. the way we do church has completely been flipped up, upside down. And so it mm-hmm. really brought, I think a lot of us to, and I'm not saying everyone is in this place where they've kind of, um, kind of settled down with it and are okay with it. And I think a lot of people are still struggling with it. And I hope that this conversation could encourage people on all part, you know, part of this process, mm. but it has a way of through the turbulence of losing all this mobility and a lot of emotions and a lot of hardship on the way and challenges. I think um, in review, it, it has brought about clarity to what is what exactly am I living for and what is exactly is this, you know, thing called face and, you know, what what does it look like? And so I think that we're doing more than just a temperature check in, you know, mm. I feel like we're doing a lot of probing. Um, this message allows us to do a lot of probing, not Just unlike is it hot or cold, but why? Mm. Like what's going on really, you know? So, Mm. and I think um, to what you're saying about faith, I think, you know, a lot of times we have, you know, this linear way of looking at faith, which scripture always combats against that um, which is, I think the linear way of the way we look at face is that it is about performance. Like, how well are you performing in this area of face? You know? Right. And a lot of times the result could be like, Oh, I'm doing well because, you know, I feel, and there's a lot of busyness and action and all that stuff is good because we're men gather and spur each other on and all the stuff and activity is good. But I think um we often miss the point that faith is about a person. Like, faith is a relationship with the person, mm-hmm. the person God. Mm-hmm. And I think this message also pros us to come back to the place that this is not really about how well are you doing equals vibrancy, but how are you doing in your relationship with God equals vibrancy, you know? Right.
4: So. Well,
1: I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I feel like that's the exact and like opposite way of how, maybe how I've been approaching my faith for a long time, uh, uh-huh. you know, because like I think, you know, I, I feel like humans, I guess this is really generalized, but, you know, a lot of people like to keep busy, right? And like they keep busy or like feel like they're doing stuff that is of importance or that is like... Uh, I guess, can be measured by performance, uh, mm. to, like validate who they are or like where they are with life or mm-hmm. if, in this case. But, you know, that's not nec- that's not really how this works with a relationship with God, because it's not based off performance. And I feel like through a like the majority of how I was approaching faith was largely based off like, all right, am I like Am I keeping the commandments? Am I, you know, doing relationship? Am I talking about the gospel <laughs> people? You know, it was just like it was almost like it was the checklist without the heart behind it. Um, not to be like mm. so harsh on myself about it, but you know, like when I'm observing uh I my approach with my faith, I feel like uh-huh. it was missing that aspect of like truly expecting and like believing that God is going to come through and move in powerful ways. Like the, I think it was missing that aspect of, um, you know, of what? um, Oh yeah. I I think I was like operating under the sort of practical agnosticism that Dr. Samuel was talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. really missing the, the point or like how, like what really generates faith in my life, not like through acts or works, but like really through the relationship of, that I, I am supposed to have with God, right?
4: Right, because
3: the refilling of true, vibrant spirituality can only come from the work of the Spirit, mm. and it's it cannot be manufactured by act activity, right? Mm. And I love what I said that he said. Um, I actually wrote this down. I was so blessed by the statement. Is that um, whatever we whatever we do for God could never replace our need for God. Hmm. And I think that's so true. I think a lot of times um we do things for God because we love him. But then somewhere along the line, I think it ends up kind of being what we do for God becomes um our relationship for God.
4: Yeah.
3: And relationship with God, the love affair with God completely goes out the window or it goes in the back burner, right? Is that what back burner? Yeah, that, in the back of our mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think also this message is about rekindling, but also becoming aware of what really faith is and what it isn't. You know, Mm -hmm. that it is about a relationship with God, being refueled by God, refilled by God. It really means closeness to the Spirit of God, right? Closeness to God. And that's the work the Spirit does. The Spirit engages us back to God. The Holy Spirit engages us back to the move of God. Whereas activity has a way of kind of detaching us and um, from, you know, and I think it's because we're human beings, right? We tend to kind of detach from what we do a lot of times. And it becomes like, do, do, do like do this, do that. And I haven't done that. So I don't feel so good about that. And, but although activity is important because ultimately it's obedience and action That brings about change to others because without action, faith is also dead. James says, right? Mm -hmm. But I love that it's probing at all the, the very core of our needs.
4: Right.
1: Right. So I feel like this message is a very balanced approach in that way, right? Like the, the actions stem from our faith, but it's, it's, important for us to be or it's important for us to know or like be filled by the spirit in order for us to even act in a way that really honors or glorifies god in a way <laughs> right
3: that's a very i don't know <laughs> i've never actually thought about it as it's a very balanced approach i gotta think about that oh. and then the way that it will all mechanically work out Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we'll table that. Oh, no,
3: sure. <laughs> uh. so, Let's see. But I guess so. Yeah. I guess it's about being aligned um, to what God is really saying and doing. To be attentive to that, right? Mm. So that we. I guess function. I guess Jesus would have said, abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can't do anything. So I get you. That's what you're saying. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yes. I, th- I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I bring that up because it seems like, you know, in this case, there's like a propensity to not, or like if, I guess if, if like listeners or people do identify with maybe their faith is stale, right? Um, I, I guess, like, the practical question here, or, like, the question that would be on my mind is, like, all right, like, but how do we come from, like, a dying or what we might identify as a stale faith to approaching a faith that really expects and anticipates what God is doing, you know, because I think, um, for me, uh, I guess, contextually, it would be that, you know, for a long time, maybe I, I might have missed the fact that my faith was stale to a degree. Um, and it was not until I was like able to see that God was doing things in my life that were, that that really didn't have anything to do with any of my works at this point with the pandemic
4: um,
1: mm-hmm. that, that I, I started to see like glimpses and like by see, I mean more feel because I think
4: mm-hmm. for a
1: long time, like a lot of, I
4: mean, it's for you
3: because. Feel, feelings is a, is a very foreign word to you at times.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know me very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like, I like maybe approached a lot of things detached from my feelings. And, you know, I think that's sort of like indicative of my faith in that, like, there was not a lot of trust in knowing that God was going to do something, Um
4: mm.
1: you know? And so there was that element of just working and, Self-reliance in that way. Um, oh, yeah. but I had feelings, uh, generally and ambiguously defined feelings. Um, cause I don't really know what they were, but you know, they started opening me up sometime in the middle of this, uh, COVID pandemic to, you know, to approaching life or to approaching faith a little bit more vibrantly. Um, mm-hmm. I think I noticed that difference, but I was wondering, um, your thoughts also on like how to approach faith in this way, like growing from staleness and a dying faith to a a thriving, flourishing faith?
3: Right. I feel like, you know, I think about even when I was younger, too, and a lot of my disappointments have led to me not expecting things from God. And if I really look back at it, you know, what I realize time and time again um, is that I'm always expecting God to do Something a certain way, and if I don't see that, I take you know. If I didn't see that, I would be like, "Well, God's not really, you know, doing what I s- wanted Him to do, you know." Or God, it's not forget what I wanted. That'd be the motive of the heart that's completely revealed. But it's like God's not really working, so something's wrong, you know. And then it goes back to my own pessimism, right? And I think the challenge or the probing of this message is that it makes us go from the exterior of what we're, what we really appear to really, really think about, okay, what is it that, I think for me, I had to really be like, okay, so what am I, I didn't even know I was missing, mm. not seeing what God was doing because I thought I had to look for certain signs. But actually, that was never the expectation. That was never the expectant part. It was, I was looking for things that would answer to me in my understanding, but God was not working in my box. Like he was vastly, um, wiser and deeper and, um, hardworking, you know, like working beyond my small mind and my immaturity. So I think, as I grew in my faith, learning to really um, uh, become aware of God's move versus what I think, what I thought was the move of God, I think really helped me to become attentive mm. and, you know, and pay attention and be encouraged and become optimistic because I saw the benchmarks of God's move, you know,
4: Mm.
3: because I don't think that, you know, a lot of people say like, you're so optimistic or my friends, you know, tell me like, Oh, Lydia, you're so positive. You know, like we share the same values because, you know, you're such a positive person. Lydia, you're always so positive. Like people tell me that, but you know what? I think I am not that optimistic as people say. I think that if any if the optimism that you see or anyone sees or even that I can see is really because I think I had to really learn that um, what to expect, mm. you know, and it's not this like, um, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that for now. Mm. I had to learn what the benchmarks were as opposed to what the benchmarks are not.
4: Right.
1: I see. So I guess like a lot of this can, because I agree with what you were saying when thinking about my life regarding disappointment and expectations you might've had about how Mm -hmm. God operates. And so like, it seems like this sermon offers us, like you were saying to probe those areas of that, like, Maybe mistrusts or like lacks faith in God because of like what we expect him to do as opposed to us trying to see what he's doing, right? Cause like if the expectation is, um, for God to move in the way we want to, it's like, it's not really, it's not the same as our expectation of what he's doing. Does that make sense? I mean, I feel like I just had a tongue twister, I think. <laughs>
4: I think
3: that's that's exactly it. I think a lot of times we look through the framework of miracles looking a certain way. And um, if we don't see the miracles in front of us that we hear about or see in the way, in the dynamic way, I think we discredit miracles altogether. Or we discredit that God is moving and that God is actually doing something really special, you know. Um. And, you know, actually I'm thinking of this right now, but I'm actually reading through um, Charlotte's Web with Josh. Oh, yeah. And it's we've been reading like a chapter a day to kind of like, you know, spend time together or whatever. But it's – so I've been reading it to him. So I'm very focused on like – and I'm like amazed, like E.B. White. I'm amazed by his writing mm. because – you know, when you watch the movie, it's beautiful because there's colors of the farm and like, you know, but I actually never read it because I came to the States in third grade. Mm. And so I did not have the reading skills to be able to read that book when it was actually assigned. Right. So I'm actually reading it in back- backwards. And I'm amazed by his writing because I cannot believe it's a story about I mean, I knew the story, but just reading, reading it. It's about like animals talking about just animal things. (laughs) And the actual miracle of, you know, Wilbur, the pig, not being eaten is really because Charlotte, the, Charlotte, the spider has been weaving with the help of Templeton, the mouse, you know, these, these words that pigs shouldn't have, you know, like over their heads. So I'm just like really amazed by that. But it's really a book of miracles every day that you don't know while you're sleeping, God is at work, you know, and you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, what has happened in this barn? Like, But I think it's so simple sometimes and so subtle, you know, our spiritual life that we don't even catch half the things like that God is doing, unless we're actually taught to pay attention. And, you know, Layton Ford actually wrote a really awesome book um, called uh, Attentive Life. Mm-hmm. I would totally recommend it. But until we actually pay attention to what God is actually doing and not looking for all these, like, flamboyant things of the exterior, mm-hmm. I think he will miss and our faith will grow old. And dry, and we will get burned out. Because ultimately, I think what the Spirit does when He refills us to see again, or to see for the first time, or see in masses compared to the little that we saw before, is that He is um, giving us perspective we didn't have. And I think that's also the work of the Spirit. He gives us perspective we couldn't have on our own, because it can't be manufactured. It is spirituality. True spirituality is a work of God. So yeah, I, I am, I've been very blessed through the mundane, but the subtle reading of Charlotte's mm. web. <laughs> Huge fan now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I should probably also read that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but it definitely gets me thinking cause you know, like I think I'm, often missing what God is doing all the time, you know, cause I think even in what might look like a stale faith throughout like my younger years or like up to this time, um, you know, I have, I've always, I've always seen like glimpses of vibrancy, right? Like these, these small like moments where I feel like my faith is like alive again, or, you know, I, I really do feel like God moved in my life powerfully so that in, in such an undeniable way where it like reignites my faith to some degree. Uh, but
4: mm-hmm.
1: I think what you're explaining to me right now is that like God is doing this kind of stuff all the time, but you know, often we miss it because maybe there's some expectation about like our lives and like how things should fit into our lives. And, you know, mm-hmm. and like when God does stuff that doesn't seem like, you know, or like we, we like maybe even misinterpret what God is doing. Um, you know, like that like leads to us being disappointed or like, you know, wavering in faith or like our faith starts to diminish because of those disappointments or because like, you know, th- there's like a mismatch in what we thought was going to happen with our lives and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the truth is that God is actually working miracles around us all the time it's, it's a matter of if we can be attentive to it right
3: yeah and i think also that we're looking at the wrong thing i don't want to make it right or wrong but like we're kind of looking at the wrong place mm-hmm. you know if what you lost is in the living room and Because it's lit in the kitchen, you're looking in the kitchen, but actually it's in the living room and you might have to turn the light on in the living room to find that. But I think oftentimes we kind of become habits of creature of, um, just of our own convenience or our own thoughts. And we end up doing things the same way and actually miss, Mm -hmm. you know, as a result. So I think also it's about. You know, going back, you know, I think it's really about going back and really turning to God and saying, Holy Spirit, can you please show me why I might, I'm so cynical here and can you change this part of me? And asking the Holy Spirit to really lead us in that process of restoration of our soul, of healing and refilling of our soul. So, He's so like, Holy Spirit is so personal and complex and intimate mm-hmm. in the way that he approaches us in our restoration and understanding of God mm-hmm. that I think really using that analogy of the living room that's dark where we actually lost something there versus the kitchen is I think the Holy Spirit, the scripture and the message of this, of this scripture really probes us to go back to the living room and turn the light on and the spirit is the light, you know. And it's not so much about probing to find out everything, but I think more than problems about ourselves, I think what will turn on is will be just traces and signposts of what God has been doing, what God is saying, what God, you know, um, is w- what God is working. So it's actually more of an encouraging, restorative process mm. than five, five things wrong with me, why I'm cynical. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I could see that. I feel like there's like an element of training for a change in attitude from like giving up on... I mean, because it feels like, you know, essentially giving up on yourself if you're not expecting... God to move in your life, but, like, to move into or shift into a perspective where, you know, we're anticipating God's move and anticipating God's power as opposed to, like, not expecting it at all, right?
3: Yeah. In many ways, it's reframing and redefining, right? I think the word powerful, power of God, is so powerful. It's such a dynamic word that I think we often kind of get stuck at the word itself. But how does God power look like? Can it really look like goosebumps by f- someone feeling God's presence? Can it really look like tears that um, heal because someone is feeling God's presence? Can it really be that someone who has never thought that you know, that there is a higher being. We know him as God and our father, but for someone who's seeking to feel a connection of their thoughts and and the message that they hear on Sunday service, um, connect to make them believe and think, wait, is God, does God actually see me? Does he actually exist? Like those connections are they a sign? Are they signs of God's power? And I definitely believe that they are God's sign, both mm. of God's power. But I think we're just always looking at God's power being so like 4th of July, mm. you know, what is it like? Uh, fireworks right. in the sky. And, a lot, and a lot of times it culminates to that. And a lot of times no, it is that dynamic in that everyone can see it. But I think a lot of the work that he does, some many times like Elijah, he thought that God was in the wind and all sorts of big things and he learns that he was really in the whisper, you know. So I think we have we're going back to probing to recognize God's voice, God's hand and God's handiwork and everything. Mm,
1: yeah. you know? so yeah i definitely agree with that it's it's, it's i'm just thinking because like it's not hard to i think expect god to move when like your faith is vibrant but it's very hard to like get to that place i think mm-hmm. right like because like for one thing i think i was very um blind to the fact that my faith was stale to a degree you know like i I do identify very much with being a party pooper um you know but Mm -hmm. it's a little like something like it's like really hard to like become optimistic you know but like it's not so Mm -hmm. difficult when like you actually i think are experiencing what god is doing in your life right like it's almost it's almost effortless i want to say um -hmm. and i guess i wanted to bring that up or like as a point of conversation because you know i think like I think, like, if an individual is identifying that they are stale in their faith, right, like, um, I guess what are we supposed to do, right? Like, are we supposed to, like, ask to see the move of God in our lives or for, like, the blinds to fall off our eyes so that we can see? Um, And I'm just wondering, like, you know, like, how can we continue to anticipate what God is doing? Because it seems like faith can, like it's like when, when you are sort of in a place where it's dying is very fickle, but like once it's like strong, it's like pretty strong.
3: Yeah. Well, I think we have to start from a place that God is not a mechanism. Like it's not something you plug in for it to work in this flawless system. It's not a system, not a mechanism. He's a person. So, you know, um, I, I, I find this funny, but like, and I don't, I didn't make this up, but like I burned bacon today before coming on podcast recording for the first time in my life. <laughs> like I, I make bacon yeah. in the air fryer. Right. And okay. Let's see how this <laughs> connects. But, <laughs> but I just don't think it's a coincidence, yeah. you know, because I think I need to just literally see something burnt. And I thought, wow, burnt out. Wow. <laughs> and for me, I get all excited in my own house and, you know, in my daily life. Because for me, I think I'm like, wow, what is God saying Mm. about that? You know? Hey, you could laugh. People could laugh. But hey, you know, it actually, many of those things connect back to what God is saying. But anyway, so I walked away for a little bit and I burnt it. It was like dark and black, Mm. okay? And there was no way of salvaging it. So I had to... Take, you know, open the window, turn the fan on, and throw it out. And because bra- breakfast had to be made, I had to put new layers of bacon in the mm-hmm. air fryer, right? But I guess I mentioned that because at the time, I was just wondering about this, but like your question kind of probed at it for me. I think, you know, Sam talks about in the message that it only takes one, um like pessimist person in a team in a community in a conversation to actually be discouraged and to actually bring the whole yeah, team I, down I,
1: yeah i know that's like true. usually me <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. so if you're, it's actually you you probably and it's kind yeah, of part yeah. of your question right it's like it's like if you are that then how are you even aware yeah. of what you're doing right so people around you are aware they're more aware of the effect of the negativity um, or the pessimism or the lack of faith to be technical. Right. But the person's not aware. So what do you do in that situation? And I think, I think, I guess the, um, for me back to the kitchen, I had to, Remake. I had to throw out the batch and make it. And I'm not saying throw out that negative, you know, person. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that before, see, like you said, it's, you said it's hard to, um, hard to have faith once you lost it and are burnt out. But when you have faith, it is much easier. It's almost effortless, you said. And I think there's some truth in that. And I think just like I had to kind of restart again, um, instead of trying to make do with this burnt bacon, I think that's why people who are recognizing that they're being affected and that their faith is actually, um, dry and getting old and feeling burnt out and feeling not right. You know, I think it goes to those who are recognizing it first before diving into this one negative person who seems to lack it completely. Right. And I think it, so it's a, it kind of brings, you know, Because what happens one bad apple could literally make the whole batch Mm -hmm. go rotten. And I think you if you're in that place where you're kind of recognizing that, you know, you're burnt out, you feel like you're of no use to yourself or to others, and you're just one you know, feeling like you're going in a grief cycle back and forth, I think and your the cynicism is creeping in. I think God is speaking to you to turn to him and to, you know, to ask God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me and that you would help me to this, not just disengage, but to heal me of the cynicism and help me see again what you're doing. And um I believe that God is speaking to people in that place where it's not fully gone, you know, like fully lost or fully, you know, blind. And when you're refilled, you can see through the the eyes that God gives you and the perspective that God gives you. You have the ability to point out signposts of God to others to help others. But I think that's important that if you're recognizing that, um, that something's not right. And you might say, well, I don't know. I've always been like this. And how do I know if this is really lack of face? Like, so I guess to that, I would say, you know, do you know when you're hungry? And Jesus describes spiritual, um, wanting to be full in God with literal, like simplest, like the simplest basic way. Are you hungry or thirsty? Do you recognize that you're hungry? And thirsty for more but you feel like you're not getting your fill um and then jesus says you're blessed if you realize that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for god for you will be filled so the fact that you recognize that you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're not getting the fill that you need is a huge signpost that actually your soul is saying something to you. You know, it's the deep crying out to the deep. It is trying to re-engage with, you know, your maker. So I think that is a huge encouragement. Not because you're hungry and thirsty and not being filled, but because you realize that you're hungry and thirsty and that you need a refill, mm-hmm. you know? Because unfortunately we're not made with, you know, the refuel sign and the you know gas tank of
4: a car. Oh. <laughs>
3: We're more like a vehicle, I think. Which vehicle was it? We had a vehicle where it was hard to tell. <laughs> it was, we had a vehicle, I think in the early days. Um, we had a vehicle where we couldn't tell if the gas was full or not. Oh, yeah. And my, uh, my car did this too. I guess it's like one of the old things. Like things get old and then that's one of the things that goes. It's like this, you can no longer visually know. Yeah. Like our suburban had that, like you can't tell if right. the gas is full or not. So you have to go by mileage. And I would always be like, but the gas full is the gas full. And Sam would always be like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm counting the mileage. Don't worry, honey. So he would assure me and I'd be like, oh, okay, so we could go for, you know, how many more miles, mm-hmm. but yeah. so be encouraged. If you're actually feeling discouraged about your faith is what I would say. You know, don't label yourself as, I'm not saying yeah. this to you, Joe, just, but just to our listeners, like, you know, don't be discouraged. Like, why am I always so cynical? But I think, you know, you should catch yourself in that. The fact that you're realizing that about yourself is that you're saying, I'm not full. I'm not, I'm not. You know, quenched in my search, like something's not right. I'm, I didn't get my fill. And you know what? That's exactly where you want to be to recognize that for God to fill you. God says you're blessed if you realize right. that. And as the spirit fill you to give you eyes to see where the food's at and to come back to vibrancy. It might good-
1: make as far as I
4: think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And, then, like, it even goes to show that, like, you know, because, you know, I, I, I see you as someone that has a lot of faith. And, like, even the fact that you can say to others that might feel like they're giving up on themselves to continue to have faith is kind of, like, indicative of, like, expecting and anticipating how God moves in other people's lives still. Because, like, this the cynic in me, right, like, and I think, like you were saying, like, I think a lot of us and I do this myself, have, I've always like labeled myself as a cynic or like as a pessimist. And I almost, I took a lot of pride in it almost, right? Cause like, I think it was like a part of who I am, like to like, you know, expect the worst or to like foresee disaster coming and, you know, being able to like tell that, you know, things are not working out or something like that. Right. And like, at the end of the day, it's just like me wanting to be right about things.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: okay. You said it. <laughs> yeah, like, Um yeah, I have been made very aware that that's the heart of that. Um and like I think like a lot of the times I would I would probably be in the camp of person that would say like ah there's like no hope. You know, which is like really like fundamentally not what I value or like not what I believe because like I think one of the things that is so attractive about faith and Christianity to me is the aspect of hope. Um, and to have hope in others and to expect mm. that God is doing stuff. And so like my attitude and like my values are just like so mismatched there. Um But, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. noticing even in the way that you might be describing someone that m- may, may be close to giving up or like maybe really discouraged or like, but like can notice that they hunger and thirst still for righteousness is like a good sign. Right. And like that they can continue to have faith. And like, that's, Super encouraging because, like, for the most part, I think, like, if if I don't hear that or if I don't, if I'm not, like, told that, it gives me, like, a lot of reason to just give up, you know?
4: Yeah.
3: And that's the thing about vibrant spirituality. A lot of people feel like or believe in this notion that you should know these things. But actually, if we have to, if we mm-hmm. just knew things. um Why would we have community? Why would we have preaching of the word, teaching of the word, discussion around the word of God, or even this podcast? Like it's really taught. A lot Mm. of it is taught. And the anointing, um, the spirit of God, the anointing of the children of God are brought into knowledge and understanding of the things of God. But even that, you know, to be taught like Samuel, um, had to be taught. He did not just grow up as his prophet of God. He, the first time he heard, um, God's voice call him in the night, he thought his mentor called them because it was a real voice, but he had never heard, like, to him, it was kind of like, what's, hmm. oh, why is he calling me? Because he really heard something, but he didn't know what he heard. So three times, and, and Eli, he actually had to tell him. Oh, it must be at the third time, like it must be the Lord calling you. Next time you hear his voice, know that it's not me, but say, mm-hmm. Here I am, Lord, I'm listening. So I think you should also be encouraged if you think you're the only person that doesn't understand how to recognize signposts of God. Cause I think we're on the same page here in learning how to recognize. Um, the signpost of God, the voice of God, the whisper of mm-hmm. God, you know, and so, yeah, in your discouragement, be encouraged that, you know, that you are wanting something more because it just shows that you're recognizing that you're meant for more than This world that God is calling you to fill you, to refill you, to encounter him. For the first time for seekers, and actually I would even say for many times for seekers Mm. to actually come to that place of confirming knowledge and to say, okay, God, I get it. It's Mm. you, you know, and for believers. Yeah. Again, you need a refill. We tend to go without being fueled And find ourselves in these loops of, you know, tiredness, crankiness, and the first point being, um, what is it? Size, right? There was a little bit of confusion about that. It was, um, I know on the screen up here, in a flourishing church, there are super cool signs, not super annoying. And then it came out as sizes. But I think sizes could work too. But um and I thought it says sides, like people taking sides and being petty in a community. Yeah. I think that works too. Um but really what Sam was saying was size. So let's take a deep sigh. S-I-G-H-S.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <sighs> yes. But yeah, not super annoying size because of all this, you know, hopelessness and Discouragement, but let's collect the sighs and um breathe in mm. the presence of God.
5: <laughs> right.
3: Let's turn that sigh into X. Ex- what is ex- it that we always do? Exhale um,
5: anxiety
1: and inhale the presence yes. of God.
3: Yes, let's exhale and sigh out, right? It's, it's collect all these sighs together. We're all in the same boat. We all need a refill, different times, different posts, but we all need a refill. And God's heart is that we all see. And he's working towards this already. So, and let's breathe in, you know, new perspective, humility to see, humility to see again, life, and you can fill in the blanks of all the things that you need that Mm. comes from Christ.
1: That feels good. Um, <laughs> so I guess one of my questions also is like, um, is there something you do to refill your soul or does that look different for each individual? Right. Cause I think the practice of being filled by the spirit, you know, in a stale faith is not something that like usually crosses the mind, maybe that like, You know, maybe you're not aware that you need to be filled by the spirit if your faith is stale. So you don't really ask for your spirit to be filled, right? But um, are there, like, things you do to refill your spirit? Or does it, like, kind of happen, like, in the ether, you know?
3: Yeah. You know, I think that's a great question. Because this is not, like, which personality... Right. that God give you, and so does God fill you differently? But scripturally, Jesus says, "Ask and it shall be given to you," and that He would never take back. Um, whenever, whenever anyone asks for more of His Spirit, He will give you more. So, asking is really crucial in cr- Christian life. And yeah, there's an aspect of you know I will give my family. You know, like, let's say I'll give Josh his meal, regardless of whether he asked for it, although he's very good about asking for his meal on time. And I'm probably late on that. But our good, perfect father never misses the right time. So, but yeah, there is an aspect of God taking care of us. And he already is like, there are so many things that God is doing That we don't see. And that's kind of the point, right? It's not that God is activated like a mechanism when we ask, but actually our faith, our souls are activated into seeing the reality that we've been missing. So yeah, there's an aspect of God doing all these things, whether we see it or not. So, but asking is so crucial in the Christian life because asking is also very powerful. Like, I think that if you're at the place of asking God for something, I would say that the remedy is halfway done because when you ask, there's a lot that happens in the asking, like really, Oh, if there's an overcoming, there's a reckoning, a reckon and recognizing that God, what I need is not of this world. What I need Mm -hmm. is you. You know, so there is a way it's, it really breaks through pride. It breaks through cynicism to come to a place of saying, God, I need more of you and then waiting on that need and to um, become attentive of that need. And God's showing us, you know, what he's doing um, throughout the day, throughout the season. But yeah, I think, the scripture encourages, actually mandates all of us to ask. Seek and you shall find, ask, and knock and the door will be open to you. So asking is a huge part of being in a relationship um with anything but here with God. Because I would say, you know, and I think that there are things like building altars is mm-hmm. also recognizing that, right? And to- back to the altars. Those things are also important because it helps us remember. And these are practices that I think that we all try to cultivate in our lives because these are practices that help us in our forgetfulness. It helps us to remember and to come back to the person of God. When we see an altar that we have made or created of something God has done, we remember that God worked you know, and that we remember the times. So yes, these are signposts mm. that we can create to help us come back. But I think it all starts with asking because asking really shows that um, we want this relationship with God, you know, and that we want to draw close in this relationship. So, yeah, that
1: totally makes sense. That makes sense. Um, right. Because I'm thinking also, like, it's very difficult to do this on your own, right? So I'm also wondering if there's an aspect of asking not just God, but also your community. Or is that also an aspect of this as well?
3: Yes, of course. But you know what? I would... I'm going okay. I'll to... Say, I'll say something about both. I think... I want to encourage people as they hear the message and you're going about your work week and your, you know, study week and just your weekday, even now. I would say you're feeling that all these things and God is already kind of speaking to you through the message and hearing the podcast, speaking to you and connecting with all these pieces. I would encourage you to, in your own place, turn to God now you know I because and yes and with your community but I think there's something really sacred about being able to turn to God when you hear him and when you recognize him in the moment like you know Sam will sometimes encourage during the message while he's preaching You know, he knows that the points are coming and all this stuff and illustrations and all that. But he'll say right now, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. He means it because we're taught to practice asking. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And you know what? A lot of people go, oh, okay, I'm going to write this down and ask later. But there's something about recognizing the person of the Spirit, the person of God in a room, in a place, in someone's life and engaging with a person right away is so crucial i think waiting so i would even say this like you're driving to work or driving back from work and you know going about your walk or your run as you're listening to this and you're reminded of that of that you know that that knowing in your spirit like, You know what? I need God. I can't let this wait. I would say right now, ask God, God, I'm alone right now. And I'm going to ask you, because it's my relationship with you. I I love you because you loved me first. And I'm turning back to you. And I want to ask Holy Spirit that you would help me see what I can't see. And you would refill me with your Holy Spirit. Because my spirit Mm -hmm. is stagnant, Lord, apart from you. And I would say do that now as we speak. Um, and share that with your community, um, with in relationships, you know. Share what is going on and how you're asking God to come in to really show you in these areas of cynicism and discouragement with others. But I would say start now as you feel the knock on your
1: heart. I felt the moment of silence was appropriate. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I think, um, I think with the sermon, it was a reminder also for me to, like, I guess, share my cynicisms and pessimisms also because, you know, I'm not very good at sharing. And, um, mm-hmm. and I guess like, that's like something I'm learning to try and do more with the pandemic or like not with the pandemic, with what God is doing really. Um, uh, I guess like I'm just equating the two because it like happened during the pandemic, but, um, but you know, I, I feel like, you know, the process of being able to trust God and trust others is also involved in this sermon for me because, you know, to like, I think it's like, there's like a ask, like I think what you were saying about asking God for things is not really what I do because, you know, maybe I just didn't really have much expectation of how God was going to move in my life or what he was doing at that current moment. Um, You know, and so it was like kind of hard to like even share what was on my heart about a lot of things. Um, and so like, I'm starting to, I think I'm starting to see, I don't really know if I'm really seeing, but I think I'm starting to see like, just how, you know, like this is a process of trusting God really with our faith. And like for us to be able to continue to place our trust and faith in God, um, and expect great things from what he's doing because he's always been faithful to us. Right. And, um, if we're reminded of that and if like our community can affirm those things in our lives where in like, do- like Dr. Sammy said there, like cynicism isolates us. Um, like, you know, takes us away from like, I guess the party, quote unquote, of what God is doing. Um, you know, it's like to rejoin in that thing again by like asking to be a part of the party or like to ask to be a part of what God is doing again. So, I mean, I, I felt like this sermon was just really helpful in, like, I guess, galvanizing or, like, bringing all that stuff together for me in order for me to see that God truly is doing stuff in my life and around me, mm-hmm. um, even if it defies my expectations, right? Like, it's definitely not what I expected at all. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, a, it was, it was def- certainly a reminder of that
4: in my life.
3: Yeah. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised when we realize that God has been all along working and mm. um you know. And I think, you know, if we can wait. And you know, people really have a hard time waiting, right? Like instantly it doesn't happen. Instantly we can't see and there's all this frustration, but let me just say, you know, if we could wait for the next season of our favorite show on Netflix, <laughs> you know, it's like that. Like, you await and expect good things because you love mm. the show. You love the story you're part of. Um, and it's much better with God. Like, we don't always know where the writer's going to go. Or if we knew where the writer was going to go all the time, why would we even watch, Right. But it's the fact that someone who holds the pen, someone who holds the pen of our story is writing it. And um, because we're kind of unable to see, just because I think we're very tunnel vision in many ways, and sometimes we get glimpses, but we're kind of stuck on what we see and how much we can see. But I think I like what you said about trusting God with our face. Knowing that when we turn to him, he will answer. Knowing that when we pray to him, that he will answer a prayer. And that when we draw near to God, that he will mm-hmm. draw near to us. These are promises of God, you know. Um, to know the character of God and therefore to trust God in our face, in our seeking, in our turning to God. I think um, we can wait on God as well. You know, you hear uh, David in the Psalms, especially in 27, he writes, you know, he he could almost say he's very fickle. I mean, he's running for his life in many ways, but he writes, you know, one place I want to be is in God's presence, you know, to behold your beauty all the time, Lord, you know, because why should I be afraid of any people who's against me? You know, when you are the stronghold of my life, I'm, I'm not afraid. And he has that assurance. And then he'll go back and forth like, you know, people have abandoned me, God. And he'll go through this whole process, but in him, you know, and then he'll say towards the end, but I will wait on God. He will finish that poem like, I will wait on you. And God has met me. So I think God is a person. He's a living God and he's at work. And I think if we can begin to see that, that he's at work in us and around us, trusting God with our faith, I think can be very, very encouraging to know not just the end. I mean, we already know that in the end, he wins. Yeah. Like he's already won, won the war, right? Or battles in this lifetime. But, um, we, know that he has been victorious but the process we're not sure about but trusting him in the process recognizing that he's in control i think that's also what being refilled by the spirit um, brings back and restores in us it's the knowing that god's sovereign that he's at work the knowing that god is worthy to be trusted and that um, realizing, again, that God's plans are actually beyond what we can see or fathom, and that he, his heart is so big for us, for his children, that if he would send his son to die on the cross for us, you know, what more? What, what will he not do in our behalf? You know, and that being restored to the fact that like he will work out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Like these are the promises and the characters of God. And I think being refilled by the spirit not only reminds us of what he will do, but who he is, why he is doing and why he will Mm -hmm. work in our behalf, you know? so it refills us of the perspective of that we have along the way about who God is.
1: I guess one of the I guess for me or like I get one of the few questions I've left is you know I get I, I'm, I'm assuming that or I'm thinking that you know it's like is it like is it possible to be super optimistic all the time I'm thinking there's Probably periods of like waxing and waning of faith, right? Like just cause that's maybe that's natural or maybe cause of spiritual attacks. Um, and like things that discourage us from faith. Um, and I guess like I'm, I wanted to ask like how to navigate through like the ebb and flow of like the ups and downs with faith. Like, cause I know that there's also the, like we can, or I'm just, expecting for myself and maybe this is not the right way to go about it but i'm expecting for myself to like fall into old habits or like patterns and such like that um where like maybe i do fall into keeping busy all the time as opposed to really being filled by god um and i'm just wondering like how do we navigate through that so that like we don't fall into those traps or like those same patterns from the past if we're trying to move in the direction of holding on to or and anticipating what God is doing.
3: Mm, I hear your question, and I'm just trying to think through. I I guess it's all com uh. What is the word comprehensive? In that, as we grow in our knowledge of God, it also um it doesn't negate the hardships in life, but it definitely gives us perspective through it. And the criterias or the aspects of our life that could trigger us down, whether, you know, it not just mood swings, but like tragedies, right? Things happen. Um, but no matter what they are, I think God... I think God's perspective weaves mm-hmm. into all of that, you know, for us. But I don't know. Um, I think recognizing that we are fickle by nature and that our need for God is so great. Like I think recognizing that whatever the circumstance may be, I think the remedy of um, being filled by God is really, uh, it becomes a lot clearer when we recognize that, you know, that actually, you know, I, I know that Sam said that, um, and I said this before, he said, whatever we do for God can never replace our need for God. But um, I think in the same way, like this, we have control and people say, you know, we have control over the response towards life and the things that happen. But I think our need for God really exceeds all of that. And he's already there, you know, so I don't know. I know that's a very vague answer, and there's, I don't know, and maybe listeners are already thinking of answers for that because you've been through all the ups and downs and how God has led you out of it. But I think it's, I guess the word is more than comprehensive, all-encompassing in that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And knowing that we, as we grow, I think our approach also um, grows mm. fonder and closer to the fact that he is faithful. This world will fall apart, but he will not. So I think it's contingent on how yeah. we trust in his character and are growing in him.
1: Mm. And I
0: really.
3: Yeah, and I'm brings guessing us it's to like an process, individual you know?
1: journey, not individual like by yourself, but like I guess like a personal journey of developing that faith and trust. In God, because I guess everybody's circumstances or like heart is a very unique um, situation <laughs> um, that God is working through and on. Right. So it's like there's no like one size fits all for this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. It's you're right. It's people are going to all sorts of different things. And. The Holy Spirit is very personal Mm. and he knows our needs, you know? So, but the application is the same in that we turn to him and recognizing our need for him. Whatever dire and broken and hard the situations are, he is faithful to meet us Mm. and to refill us. But yeah, like there's no preventive... Preventive plan we could or approach we could take to not feel discouraged, or you know, mm. those are human experiences and why we need God. You know, we can't prevent being discouraged and feeling disconnected. We yeah. will feel disconnected, we will be discouraged,
4: mm.
3: but that's why we need Him. That's why we need a refilling yeah. of Him.
1: Um, so. I, I I think um, the reason why I asked that question is because like, I think there is a tendency just personally speaking of me to put faith in my own hands and I'm, I'm seeing just how
5: mm-hmm.
1: like not well that goes. <laughs> um, right. Cause like, I think by it, like I just mm-hmm. kind of like had, I, I guess like I had a plan for, what faith would be for me or like try to put or try to take control of it myself so that, um, you know, like I can live my life for God, but obviously being flawed and human that doesn't always end well. And I think through that process, I, I, I feel like during this time or for what God is doing in me is like to be able to trust and depend on him for my faith and, you know, like allow that to be what grows my faith as opposed to like me trying to work on my faith, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I'm I was just thinking, you know, like I get, I guess I feel like I have such a strong tendency to like be in control and like to, you know, I guess be on top of my faith, quote unquote. Uh, but you know, allowing God to do mm. his thing in my life was very different and completely not what I expected. And obviously, like, mm. I think that like d- disrupted a lot of what I thought was happening in my life. Um, and so it was a pleasant surprise looking back at it, but mm. during it, it was like not very, was, you know, I, I do think like, we were talking a little bit earlier about how like it it was a source of irritability. Um, But yeah, I think like I'm, I'm just trying to be open to the process of placing my faith in God's hands more so than like putting it in my own. Um, And that's on a personal scale, but like, I I wonder, I was Mm -hmm. wondering if that was like something that each believer or each seeker would have to, you know, also, I guess, probe and figure out, as well in their lives if they are experiencing a stale uh, faith at this time? Mm
3: -hmm. I think a lot of times people say I was in control of my own faith and and it didn't really pin out well or end up well. Mm. I think people are talking more circumstantial, right? It didn't really work out the way that I thought and it actually ended up disappointing me or I was proven wrong. Mm, I think that's uh, kind of what you're referring to, right? Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Like to have all the ducks in a row. Ducks in place? Ducks in a row. Um like, oh I spent time with God today. I read scripture before I went to sleep. I made sure I liked the BRG post or you know, (laughs) like things like that. Like things like that, right? I made sure I read scripture um, you know, my scripture reading on Bible app, but why did this go wrong? So if that's the approach or kind of what mm-hmm. you're referring to as in having control over my face is that's more, I think that's what you're saying, right? Like it's more, that's more an analogy to putting in a workout and knowing that you will get the result you want. But when you don't get the results you want because things don't work out the way that you want and you end up being discouraged or you end Mm -hmm. up feeling irritable or not just you, Joe. I'm just talking generally to our listeners. But, you know, then it didn't work out. What didn't work out? Faith didn't work out. And I I hear that a lot, actually. Right. People say, I did all those things. I went to church. I did all these things, but it didn't work out. But that's not really being refilled by the spirit is about. Disciplines exist. Spiritual disciplines exist so that we mm-hmm. can engage with God. The relationship with God, not so that we could do a checkoff and say, I did all these things. Therefore, yeah. everything should work out and result in what imagining But I think a lot of times people find themselves in that burnt and end up getting burnt out because their spirituality is not based on a person, but it's manufactured by all the to do's and lists and check up, check up. What is it? Checking, check the list, I guess. Right. A lot of people do face that way. The face is literally. Uh a religion, a personal religion with God's name on it mm-hmm. and not with God's spirit leading it. And I think that is kind of what also um, turning to God in relationship with God ask, and acknowledging that the refilling of the spirit is really the person of God, literally filling your empty cup with himself, with his thoughts, his plans, his hope you know his his wisdom it's a it's very different and i i guess i would say to our listeners who are kind of on that track i think god is saying you know mm. let's take another direction um cuz and i think we see this a lot like during one season people um are so excited about fasting this or fasting that and then oftentimes, like, you know, not no. our church, right? No. <laughs> but like, not us. no, not, mm-hmm. not me. But some people will get really caught up on the actual spiritual discipline of, um, you know, fasting. Or that when they mm-hmm. fail, they almost don't know what to do with themselves. You know? But so I guess... You know, real life is hard to describe because it's so personal, but yeah, what do you do when you fall off that, fall, fall off that, um, what is that? When I'm you saying? fall off the wagon. <laughs> when you, huh? <laughs> okay, yeah, you fall off the wagon of fasting and you were doing so well and you're on the 39th day and oh man, you failed or maybe 20, whatever, right? What do you do? Yeah. Well, you recognize that's really why we need God. We can fail. But fasting is not in replacing of God. We fast to make room for God. And sometimes making room for God will make us realize how weak we are. And that um, whatever we do for God could never replace our need for God. So, again, if you've been running really well and you feel like you're doing really well and you feel like you've, fall, you've fallen off the wagon, well, bless you're blessed because you're realizing Um, That you need God. And honestly, like, realizing you need God is the best place you can be in this life. It's really because we don't realize we need God that we do all sorts of stupid things. And get in all sorts of weird trails and derailment of things. But if you're in a place where you're like, I'm so dumb. Like, what is wrong with me? I really need God. Just know already a revival is happening in your soul. Proverbs says this, um, you know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right there, the latter part, God gives grace to the humble. If you can recognize that your need exceeds everything well you do, and everything well you try to do, you know, all the things that you've done, and all the things that you do, you you can't do well even, right? Like that part, God opposes the proud because he can't help someone who's proud. That's why I think asking is so Mm. important. It puts us in the posture of saying, God, I need you. Even in our pride, if we ask, God, I need you, God will give grace to the humble. So it's really a process of Mm. his ebb and flow in us, of his spirit in us and how he works in us, right? At the ebb and flow of how well we are doing right. apart from him in these activities. And his spirit enables us to continue to serve. His safe spirit enables us to continue to turn to God and to be refilled mm-hmm. to help others in faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, what more can I say than that, you know, that's good news, right? I mean, like that's.
4: that
3: is good news I mean that's exactly Mm -hmm. it realizing you need God is that's what's good news you need him and wow God is wanting to be there for us what? he already sent his son what? he already did everything so we could come come to the father and we just need to come wow that's good news
1: this sermon and the last sermon and you know all these sermons through this time have been Really eye opening, and I think, um, whether I knew it or not, God was at work in my life, um, definitely defied any expectations. Um, and, you know, I think I'm, because like, just, just like we were talking about, like, you know, I feel like I have to do my best with my faith, but it just goes to show that, like, God has always been there for my faith and not necessarily because I was, doing stuff for it uh, which is like a huge revelation and mm-hmm. um you know I I mean like yeah I mean like that's why I can only really say that you know this is good news and that God is good um and I mm-hmm. I know that I'm truly blessed because of it
4: yeah
1: yeah.
3: You know, Hebrews says that Christ is our anchor for our soul and that God sent his son to keep his promise, to confirm his promise of his love for us by sending his son so that our hearts could be encouraged. I would say another signpost you want to look for of God's work at your life is if you're feeling yeah. encouraged today, all you pessimists and uh, feeling, neg- you know, negative and feeling like, Perfect. you know, what is that? What is that purple eggplant-looking? And Pooh Bear. I forget. Eeyore. You know? Eeyore. Ultimate pessimist. But, you know, he's always in good company. He's always okay because he's in good company. But if you're feeling even remotely encouraged by the word and by what you hear about um, us sharing struggles or to... If there's any connection and you're feeling encouraged I think you should be encouraged because you know God's not going to send his son again to save us he's already done that but on this end you know as we walk with Christ and in spirit and I I really want to make this point like you turning hmm. to Christ right remembering that Christ has been sent because of confirmation of his love. It's like, you know, when you order something, I mean, this is so light, it should not be compared this way, but you know, when you order something, you make a purchase online and then they send you an email. Here's your confirmation code. You know how they, and then you go, okay, they got it. It's not lost in space somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel reassured, right? But like in that way, like if you feel reassured today to be reminded that God confirms His love through His Son and you're remembering salvation to Christ, that He is Lord, that He is in control. Even that remote understanding is the vastness of being refilled. Mm -hmm. Like already a revival is happening in your soul. And these are the signposts that we want to look for because that literally encourages us and it really strengthens the heart to and inspires their heart to encourage others but to encourage to be encouraged in the truth and the reality of the son jesus christ and that itself is a signpost look for those signs you know I think a lot of times we're looking for signs like, you know, I think a lot of people when they're single, they think that their husband's going to walk through the door and it's, he's going to be that one. Or, you know, I know that guys have said, like they thought that, you know, the girl will walk through and they'll just know she's the one. And a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. And we're just so disappointed and, you do know, not have to disappoint you, but you know, Sam was not like my ideal type. I had to, I have mm. like, I, had to learn like that he was perfect for me. I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect, but you know what I'm saying? I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by who I fell in love with, you know, and I'm so blessed because he's such a great husband, you know, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but (laughs) but I think a lot of times we have these assumptions And we make comparisons about how things should be. But, hey, God's in the process. He's working. And we just need to recognize the signposts of his handiwork, of his work in our lives. And all I'm saying is, even being remotely encouraged with hope, where there was hopelessness setting in, is a Mm. signpost of God's work, is what I'm saying. So for all you pessimists and Eeyores out there, God is working. And if you can see it, even remotely, God is already refilling you. And so how great it is to just, you know, stop what you're doing and say, Holy Spirit, I need you and I need you to fill me. I need you because I can't see. And sometimes I don't want to see, but I need you to fill me because, God, I know. From history and from, you know, current events of my life that, you know, when I go on this for too long, like, I don't need you, like, I burn out. And so I want to recognize that I need you, and I need you, Holy Spirit. So refill me, reshape me, Mm. um, restore me, you know? So... And I think that's how we become an inspiration of evangelism and mission to others. And that's why we need the filling of His Spirit. We can't do it alone. Apart from Him, we cannot do anything. Even if you try to do good and check off that list, we can't do it. So we need to stop yeah. and be refilled by Him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I'm encouraged as a pessimist. <laughs> um but any uh-huh. any parting words pastorito or any last thoughts um regarding this message anything on your heart
3: no. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. no but i'll be praying for you guys and um i will pray for us before we leave so I'm we can hungry. practice this all together wherever you might be listening yeah so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you and we've uttered through, um, throughout this podcast. And I know in hearts, Lord, we want to lay down our pride and we want to ask Holy Spirit that you would fill us. We want to lay down all the things and all the, um, ambivalence of everything in this world, God, everything internal, everything that we feel and go through, sometimes forget that we even felt, you know. Um, all of it, God, we want to bring it before you and we want to recognize and acknowledge that we need your Holy Spirit. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would refill us. You would help us in our cynicism and you would help us, Lord, um, to see the things that you're doing, Lord, help us to recognize the things that you're doing as opposed to the things that we want to see because somehow we were taught or we have to relearn that, you know, that's actually not a signpost because God is a lot more intricate and intimate in the way that he does things. Um, He's so, he's, he's immutable, unchanging faithful character has a way of still personally meeting us in this era and in the way that we understand you God as even a product of this era so we turn to you Holy Spirit and we trust you with our faith and our hearts and we ask that Lord you will refill hearts and with signs of encouragement Mm -hmm. would you give us courage to continue to ask to be inspired and to inspire others, Lord. So we ask for all Amen. these things in the um, name of the Jesus. Way that we
4: Amen.
1: Are ending this podcast, and I just want to thank you again, Pastor Lydia, for the encouragement and the perspective um, in this episode as well. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for listening, Thanks, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye
4: bye. Oh. Bye.
2: our heads for the benediction may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and forevermore all god's people say amen all right guys love you see you later i'm getting out of here
0: My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 180 Church and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment methods shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at church180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397prayer, and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody, and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, If your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline, and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180church and also at 180brg where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the One of Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune in to a conversation and a dialogue that goes into, goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual Winity Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another.
2: In addition to this, uh, we we have a
1: new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be
2: blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on.
0: And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at oneeachurch.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us.